This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Hey. Hey, guys. So we were recently featured in Bustle Online as one of the top podcasts for body positivity. Yay us. Yay us. Yay us indeed. It was very exciting, and we were so thrilled to be included in there, and we're so glad that our message resonates with you guys. It's something we're really passionate about, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy this guest we're talking about today. It's Kathleen Trotter. She's based in Toronto. We love our Canadians, and she has a book called Your Future Fittest Self, and it's just about how your fitness style and mindset and attitude and your personality will change over time and so she has four fitness personality types and we'll talk about that of course in the show but I was just wondering about you guys has your fitness personality changed over the years oh my god yes (laughs) (laughs) same (laughs) how how long do we want to go on about our fitness personality (laughs) (laughs) whatever you want to whatever you want to talk about go for just just go for it well I feel like when I was in my Gosh, even when I was like 16, 17, 18, and then into my 20s, I was like a little cardio queen. Like it was all, you know, group exercise. And, you know, I taught like dance aerobics, basically, floor aerobics um, and step and spin and a whole bunch of different stuff like that. But it was all pretty much like cardio. And sometimes I would lift weights, but I would actually get kind of, you know, bored just doing the like the 10 sets of or, you know, three sets of 10 reps or something like that for like all the different body parts. I always just found that really, really boring, even though I knew I should have like, I should be doing it for muscle and stuff like that, but I just didn't cause I didn't like it. And then as I got older and right, actually kind of around the same of the, some, t- some of the same time that I was starting, you know, some of the pieces of fit bottom girls is like the mission was kind of coming together in my personal life mm-hmm. right before the creation of it. I got more into running And I found running to be, you know, cardio, but it was one of those things where I always thought that I couldn't run, that I wasn't a runner because running the mile always, you know, felt like it was torture and it was so hard for me to do when I was younger. And so when I started consistently running, even though I didn't really enjoy it at first, it showed me, oh gosh, if you really stick to one thing, like you can get better at it. And that feels really good, Good. like, then you kind of wonder what else can you do? And so I went down the running path for a long time. Um, and ended up running a marathon. And then once I did that, I was like, okay, <laughs> we've done that. We've gotten injured. Let's go do some other things. And then I found, um, you know, the Fit Pit, which I've talked about and written about a ton, um, as my gym that was uh, really kind of got me more into lifting weights and moving my body and not just like the plane of running or cardio, but really building muscle and building more strength and set goals to, you know, climb a rope and do pull-ups. And that's kind of been my, that's kind of been where I'm at, where I'm into, you know, those different workouts, but I would have never, you know, 
I feel like every single piece kind of added something to the puzzle of my fitness journey. And then everywhere I keep going, because now I'm actually, the Fitbit closed. So now I'm actually working out in my garage and built a whole gym. I'm going to write a post about it, but we're calling it the barn box. Um, and now I'm like working out at home and in a com completely different way and actually writing workouts myself. So I guess I just had a little bit of my own little renaissance here recently and changing my fitness personality. That's um, awesome. Yeah. But it's, it's been really, really cool. Like my husband even gets up early before the kids wake up and he like walks to our garage and works out. And our neighbors are like, what is all that noise? <laughs> like, oh, sorry. It's our music and us dropping weights. <laughs> like, yeah. But, you know, it's good. It works. It works. You have to like, I guess you always have to find like what continues to work um, and that you enjoy. And right now it's really enjoyable. We also have to think about it. like what's going on in your life. I mean, you have three kids yeah. now and like yeah. all under the age of five, correct? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Your, your time driving 30 minutes to the gym is, is over. You're going to be walking 30 seconds to the garage because that's where you can get in. So it makes total sense. Yep. And, I, and I think it looks dope. I've seen the pictures and you guys are doing a great job with it. Thank you. We're hoping to add a few more um, elements to it in terms of, you know, like not having the um, weed eater like on the wall, you know, and like the trash can that like weeds go into. So it's in the beginning stages, but yeah, it's, it's gonna eventually, I want to eventually get like a neon or something like cool or like some inspirational stuff in there. So it feels a little bit more like, you know, us. Oh, that's awesome. And Kristen, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I started out for a really long time and it was just like, it was pretty much all sports related. You know, I had, I, I, maybe would do a little bit extra thinking about like, Ooh, how can this help me like shape my body? But it really was like, okay, how do I, how am I going to be my best for the upcoming game or the upcoming match? Um, how am I going to keep up in practice? How am I going to make the damn team sometimes? Um, so that was really like, and I mean, before that it was dance. So it was always very group focused with a coach or instructor telling me what to do. So when I, you know, when I graduated high school and went into college and still playing some team sports, but less, um, you know, less competitively, um, and with fewer people telling me what to do. And I started trying to figure that out on my own and, you know, at the same time becoming a little bit more aware of how the, the change in my activity and the change in how I was eating was affecting my body and getting worked up about that. Um, you know, then I started I, kind of the, the gen path, the, the, um, heavy, heavy cardio. Cause that's what I knew could, could, or that's what I believed would do what I wanted it to do. And because I, I do put on muscle more than a lot of women do. And I was scared of that, um, which is no longer the case. Let's be clear. Um, you know, so I, I did a lot of that, got into running and I've, I've always, ever since I think I've been into running maybe off and on a little bit, um, you know, and I incorporated triathlon and then I started learning more about sports nutrition and getting back to a place of appreciating my body for what it can do rather than, you know, how it looks in a bathing suit or, you know, any of any of that. And, you know, really since then, it, it's just been a good, solid journey of adding things in as as my body seems like it needs it. So last year I was doing a lot of running because I was going for a PR and, 
um, you know, I got my, my half marathon PR and felt really, really good about it. And I've kind of, I'm still getting a decent amount in, but I'm, I've backed off a bit. Um, I haven't been on my, on my road bike in a long time, although I ride my other, you know, my, my little Cannondale Treadwell, which I freaking love. Um, I ride that all over the place, but not really for like 40 mile, you know, speed rides. And I do a lot more yoga now. And I also fairly recently, I guess in December, uh, started in with a, a gym here that's, they do high intensity interval training and that is their focus. And it's very, very much based on, um, you know, training for athletes, which of course I really, really gravitate toward and I'm loving it. So I think I, I see that continuing for a long time because I'm, I'm seeing my strength build. I'm seeing my endurance build. Um, and I'm seeing my confidence build because that was the other thing that that's been an issue for me is I've had a number of injuries and some of them are very, very closely tied to specific activities, which, you know, even once I'm physically recovered or at least mostly, it's still really scary for me to do certain things. So, um, you know, I, I separated my pelvis a couple of years ago and I still don't know exactly what, what movement triggered it, but I remember a number of the things that I did that day. And so, you know, when you see me getting, getting over to the, the pull-up bar and you see me looking a little nervous, it's not only about whether or not I can do it. It's also because that's one of those things I remember doing. So I don't know, I guess my current personality is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be courageous and brave and, and push myself. And considering I'm um, like a week away from my 40th birthday as we're recording this, I feel like that's a really good time to be as open as I possibly can be to to what's next and, um, you know, to what's going to feel good, but also, you know, just keep keep pushing those boundaries, keep challenging myself and keep changing. That is so awesome. I forgot about the pelvis. Everything's okay with it now? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I I don't think I'll ever forget. It's still like like my back still gives me more trouble than I would like from that. So, you know, one of these days I'm sure I'll come fully around, but that might not be today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm similar to you guys. I was very much a cardio queen when I was younger, and I still teach spin classes a few times a week. But I had an injury last summer with my ankle, and I'm just still rehabbing it. And I've actually gone back to one of our old episodes, and I wish I could figure out which person it was. But they talked about glutes as being more important for your core than your abs. And I've really been working on my glutes and my squats. Courtney. Courtney. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll find the episode number. Keep going. Yeah, look for that episode <laughs> number. So it's more about just like really concentrating on your glutes and really doing that and doing the squats properly. And I have a little machine that helps me. It's bringing the strength back to my legs and all around and it's bringing more flexibility, believe it or not, to the top of my foot. It's just been really amazing. And so I've been doing that a few times a week and giving up a couple of the cardios and it's made a big difference. So I that's been my personality. It's more of just like rehab. And she's, yeah, what's Wyckoff? Courtney Wyckoff. Yep. Yeah. Episode 77. It is really good. I love that episode for all the reasons you're talking about. Yeah, and she's just hilarious. She was like super fun and hilarious too. So that's a good episode, you guys, if you want to check that out. So I guess we should go into this episode today talking with Kathleen Trotter, but just wanted to let you guys know if you like the show, if you could leave us a review in iTunes, that'd be awesome. We know they don't make it easy, but it really helps us find more listeners in addition to Bustle, of course, um, or just leave a few stars there. That's that's totally fine. If you want some stickers, we've got some rad 
stickers, send us an email, podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. We will put the couple in the mail for you. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode. And let's just jump right into our interview today. Kathleen Trotter, your future fittest self. Kathleen Trotter is a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, life coach, certified Pilates instructor, and an overall health enthusiast. Her passion is motivating others to find their fit, and she works with clients ranging from endurance athletes to individuals living with Parkinson's disease and osteoporosis. She also writes for the Globe and Mail and Huffington Post. Kathleen holds a Master's of Science from the University of Toronto and a nutrition diploma from the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. She lives in Toronto where she owns a personal training studio. Kathleen's here today to talk about her book, Your Future Fittest Self. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. Ah, it's absolutely my pleasure. You know, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and you have a great energy and a great vibe. And I think that's so important when it comes to health and wellness because so many people think about health as this thing that drags them down, something that they have to do. And then they, they're resentful about it. And, you know, that's not um, good for a long-term solution. And when you can find podcasts and, you know, YouTube videos and just health professionals that make it feel fun and make it feel approachable and doable. Um, that's the most important thing. You know, I really, really believe that health and wellness has this opportunity to make everybody feel energized and empowered. And it just makes me so frustrated that so many people feel shamed about being active and eating well, and, and they feel discouraged and disgruntled. So when I can come across people like you who are making the industry fun and energized and, you know, something that we can all manage, it, it makes me really happy. We are thrilled to have you on the show today. It's going to be myself, Margot, and we're going to have FBG Kristen, and we're going to just take turns asking you questions. So I'm going to ask you the first question. Your new book is Your Fit, your Fittest Future Self. Yes. What does that mean specifically, and how can women, we'd like to really talk about women over the age, 35 and over, how we can take better care of ourselves. Well, I think the biggest thing is just to embrace that some type of motion has to be thought of as non-negotiable, but how you get that motion is really up to you. And I really believe in matching the activity that you do to your fitness personality, to your stage in life, to your lifestyle, to your fitness history, to your genetics. Um, And the idea of your fittest future self is just that you have to embrace that now is the only moment that you actually have true control over. And so often with fitness, we think, oh, well, I'll get healthy on Monday. I'll eat well on Monday. I'll exercise tomorrow. Um, But, you know, tomorrow turns into the next day. It turns into the next day. And really what we have to say is, okay, there's no perfect day. There's no perfect week to start exercising. There's no perfect moment to eat well. Um, so you just have to start now and you make the smallest change that you can do in the moment. And that might just be having some water that might be going for a walk. Um, but you decide in this moment how you're going to set yourself up for future success. Um, because that future self, that fitter future you is absolutely possible. Um, but you know, your future you is just the accumulation of all the moments that you take now. Uh, and it's about creating that you, but it's based on the you that you want to be. So it's not the fit of your mother or your father or your favorite celebrity. It really is who you want to become in your version of fit. You know, it's staying in your own fitness lane, um, not comparing yourself to anybody else except for who you are and who you want to become and appreciating that 
your fit is going to be different in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and your 60s. But the constant is that, you know, that daily non-negotiable of I care about my health and then I figure out, you know, how that looks to me today. Um, so in my first book, um, Finding Your Fit, I talk about the four fitness personalities, the um, home body, the gym body, the competitive body and the busy multitasker, right? So part of that first book is just understanding, okay, well, you know, if I'm somebody who really likes to be outdoors, then maybe I'm, you know, I'm going to garden and walk my dog. That's sort of more like my mom. Um, or if I'm somebody who's more of a competitive bunny, that's sort of more like my dad. He loves to play hockey. Um, so that's great. He does that. You know, I love to run. I've done triathlons in my life. I love to do Pilates. I love to do weight. So that's me. Um, and it's just about figuring out, you know, what works for me and embracing that I can't put off to tomorrow because, what I can do today because so often, especially with the body, right? As you get older, you sort of accept or expect that your body's always going to be able to do what it can do today, but it can't like it won't, you know, your body at 60 will not be the same as at 50. It won't be the same as at 40. So you have to take steps today in order to create the future, future fitter self that you would like to be. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned the fitness personalities, which I love, um, so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that and whether those like can our fitness personalities change throughout our lives? Should they change throughout our lives? Should Ooh. we ever strive ah. like, you know, if we're an outdoorsy person, but we're like, you know, what? but I really I like the idea of a gym, you know, a gym routine. Like, should we try to change or should we really just embrace and stick with, you know, with what feels natural? No. So Amazing questions all around. Um, so not only can it change, it absolutely should change because not only should your what you're doing to your body, but how you're thinking will change, right? Like if I was 90 and I'm still thinking the same way as I did when I was 10, well, that's a problem, right? And same thing with motion. So your fitness personality will evolve and will um, change depending on your, you know, your time of your life. So for example, if you have a lot of really young kids, you might have to be more of a busy multitasker where you take them to soccer and then on the sidelines you're doing squats and you're doing lunges, right? As opposed to sitting on your phone or you get involved with family activities to find your activity, uh, to find your daily motion. So it absolutely not only should change throughout your years, but it might even change throughout the month. So I'll give you an example. Um, let's say you're a professional, you have a couple kids, for the most part, you have your schedule figured out that, you know, you love going to the gym, you have a nanny, you can go sort of before work, fine, um, or on your lunch break. And that's sort of three out of four of the weeks of the month. But one week, you're just smashed with work. And you know that you don't want to be at the office for two hours later, and then also miss another couple hours with your kids. So you decide that that week, maybe you will have to become the busy multitasker. So that's the person who, you know, does um, paces when they do their conference calls you know, we'll maybe take even a meeting as a walking meeting at lunch. That's the person I was talking about earlier that might go with their kids to do something, but get involved in the activity or make it family fun time on the weekend. Um, or you might decide for that week, you don't want to be a busy multitasker, but you want to be a homebody. So that would mean, you know, normally you go to a yoga class, that's sort of 90 minutes, but then it's 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. And you're like, this week, I'm absolutely too busy to do that. But I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to find a 30 minute yoga video that I can do at home. 
Um, but again, it's going back to that premise that motion is always this non-negotiable and how you get there is up to you. Um, but you also do have to embrace that sometimes you have to do what you don't love in order to do what you love, which sounds weird, but I'll explain. I'll take my dad, for example. He love, He's 75. He's amazing. He plays hockey four days a week. Um, I, ho I so hope that I, I grow to be his type of 75-year-old. Um, but in order to be able to play hockey, he makes himself do things that he doesn't really love to do. Like he does balance stuff. He does ankle stuff. He does, because he's hurt his ankles before, he does strength stuff. Now that's not his bliss. That's not his love. But he knows if he doesn't do those things, he won't be able to do the activity that he loves. Um, I'm another great example. I love to run. Um, it's my bliss. It's my freedom. I put on a good podcast and I just, I, I feel like I'm learning and I'm running. I love the daily, the New York times podcast. So every morning I do my run. I listen to that podcast. Awesome. Uh, but I also know that you can't use running to get in shape. You have to run to get, you have to get in shape to run, right? So many people just run and that's a recipe for disaster. And if I want to be running for the rest of my life, which I do, I plan to, um, in some form, like maybe eventually it has to be pool running or whatever, but I know I love that motion. Then I have to do the strength training stuff that I don't, I don't hate strength training, but I don't die to do single leg deadlifts, but I know that having that single leg stability is so important for me when I go running. Um, so that's that balance that you're talking about of the, the personality changing throughout your life, but also throughout the week and um, how you can motivate yourself to do the things that are not necessarily your love, 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 but are the things that you know you have to do. Um, but again, coming back to that, nothing, Anything is fine as long as you embrace that it, that fitness is your non-negotiable. Um, and I really I credit my mom for this actually because I grew up a very unhealthy, unhappy child. I was sort of overweight and ate my way through my parents' divorce. And I, you know, I would lie to get out of gym class. And oh my god, I, there's the stories I could tell you of the stuff that I would do to sneak food. I would walk home from school and I would stop at a fish and chip wagon and like eat the fries as I walked. And then I had like mouthwash in my bag. So my mom wouldn't smell the fries on me. Um, oh my gosh. No, it was crazy. Um, and I just, I hated activity. I hated, I couldn't change in front of people like in gym class. And so eventually what my mom said to me was, listen, Kathleen, I get that you don't like being active in front of your peers, but you've always been more comfortable with adults. I grew up with her. She's an actress in, in the theater. So I would go to the, like, the theater with her. So I spent a lot of time with older people. And she said, you've always been more comfortable with older people. She said, so why don't we get you a membership at the YMCA? We lived in a really small town. So the Y, the membership at the Y was like under five and over like 60. And she was like, we'll get you a membership at the Y and maybe you can do something there because you won't have your peers around. And she said to me, because you have to be active, like that has to be thought of as a non-negotiable. So, you know, I started going to the Y and at the beginning, I literally walked on the treadmill for 10 minutes. Um, and then I started, you know, walking for a little bit longer and doing some weights. And, and it, it was the inspiration for my fitness philosophy, which is you start small and you make the bar small enough that you can win, right? Like I could walk for 10 minutes. Anybody can walk for 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then once I felt comfortable doing that, I progressed. I started doing fitness classes. And then eventually they were like, you're, you're doing so many of these, you should teach them. So I taught them. And then I was like, well, maybe I should take this in university. And then it turned into, you know, I did a master's in exercise science. And then I got my Pilates diploma. And then I became a nutritionist and now I'm going through my life coaching. Like, but it all started from my mom saying like, you do something as small as it needs to be to, for you to actually do it. And in the environment that you'll actually do it, but you have to do something.
So I, I really believe in the small little wins that kind of spiral forward into bigger and bigger health successes. Can you talk about, is there one thing you think people don't get enough of on their journey to being their fu- fittest future self? Um, one thing that they don't get enough of. Well, I think the thing about health and wellness is that most people know basically what they should be doing, right? They should be drinking more water, eating more vegetables, exercising more. So I think that the key is that knowledge is not for most people um, the limiting factor. You know, I think Derek Sivers has this quote that um, if knowledge was enough, we would all be billionaires with six pack abs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really think it's true, right? It's, you know, so I think what most people don't do enough of is the mindset piece, the self-talk piece. And that's, that's actually the thing that I'm most proud of with my book, The Fittest Future Self, is that yes, it talks about the workout piece. You know, I walk you through how to create your workout mix and it talks about your nutrition piece. I walk you through how to create your nutrition mix. But then the third half of the third quarter of the uh, third, the one third of the last one third of the book is um, creating your mindset mix. And what that is, is the, the ability to have the productive internal dialogue that will connect the dots between wanting to do something and actually doing it. And I think that that's the thing that the people don't focus on them the most. You know, there's lots of fitness books out there that say, oh, you should do, you know, lunges and squats and push-ups and you should eat this food. And, you know, people can maybe do that for a week or two and they follow that program. Um, but they they don't figure out how to make it a lifelong habit because they don't take the time to develop a really productive inner dialogue. You know, most of us have this terribly mean um, self-talk, right? You know, where it's belittling and it's just, it's rude. And, you know, one of the quotes that you guys have on your Instagram page is something like you can't hate yourself healthy. And I just love that because it's so Mm -hmm. true, right? So many of us think that if we say, oh, well, we're lazy and we're this and you're, you're a slob and that'll inspire you to do more. And in fact, um, you know, it's been proven over and over again that that sort of shaming talk is not productive. And, you know, I love Brené Brown's research on the difference between guilt and shame, right? Like guilt can be productive if you say, okay, the behavior that I did isn't great. Um, I didn't, I don't love that I had the cookie. I don't love that I miss a workout, but that's behavior based. As soon as you say like, oh, well, I ate the cookie. I'm a bad person. As soon as you make the behavior, something about yourself as a person, um, then that's no longer motivating. And so I really like to, to work with my clients on building an inner dialogue that helps them understand that they can make a mistake. They can fall off their health horse for a moment, but they can also learn from that fall and they can course correct quickly and they can talk to themselves like they love themselves, right? Like who would ever say that to their daughter? Like, oh, you're a lazy slob. Like, no, but you think it's okay to say it to yourself, right? Like the amount of things that mothers will come in and they will say, you know, how they pack their daughter a healthy snack and they're helping them become more body positive. They're, you know, putting them in, um, you know, self-defense classes and all of these so, such wonderful things. And then five minutes later, they will talk about how fat they are and how they need to lose weight and how, you know, well, they went to the grocery store and they didn't have a snack. So they were hungry. So they had a chocolate bar. But what the hell? And, you know, they, you know, they just don't have the time to, to go to the gym. And I'm like, well, but you have the time to do all these wonderful things for your kids and have all the time to talk to your kids in a wonderful way. So, like, you know, self-care and, and that internal dialogue um, for you is so critical. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's very hard. I find it 
unbelievably hard with myself. Like I have to remind myself of that all the time. Like my partner, James, he's constantly saying, Kathleen, you're too hard on yourself. So I have to roll it back and be like, okay, what would I tell a client to say in this moment? Like, and what would I say to a client in this moment? If they came in and they did this, I would say, okay, you're only human. Like, you know, learn from this, like figure it out. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that, um, you know, even if you're quite good at, at keeping the the positive self-talk and acknowledging and noticing and acknowledging like when it, when it turns, mm-hmm. um, there still may be times when you can't quite get out of your own way. Um, so I think it's great. You know, you mentioned your, your partner kind of stepping in and being like, Hey, you're too hard on yourself. Having somebody who you can turn to or who knows this tendency and will talk to you about it. Um, that can be really helpful because I, I know that like, if I, if I get into a place where I find myself saying really unkind things a little more regularly, that's usually a symptom that like something else is kind of off. Um, and it's really good for me to, you know, <laughs> to round up the calorie and be like, Hey guys, so I'm, I could be doing better. Can you please help? Help me. Absolutely. And I think that that, what you just said is that it's a, that there's a signal that something else is going on. I think that that is so key. Um, I think that what my therapist would say, and I'm very open about this in all my interviews, like I've been in therapy for years and I think that having a helping hand, like it takes a village. We all need help. Um, and what she says to me all the time is, you know, Kathleen, everything is just data. And if you can look at something, it's not good or it's bad. Like even negative self-talk, that's just data. It's showing you, you know, as you said, something else that's going on in your life. And it's an opportunity to be like, okay, so I didn't do well this time. Why? Um, and you know, if you can connect how you're talking to yourself, but also how you're eating and how you're moving to other instances in life and you can learn from it. So, you know, if you have a moment where you overeat and you're like, Oh, interesting. Okay. So as opposed to shaming myself about that, can I say, well, was I lonely or was I sad or, you know, was I, you know, dehydrated and I thought that that was hunger. Um, and then from that, um, if you can sort of learn from that data and if you can say to yourself, Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I overate because I was lonely. So then maybe what I need to do is say to my three best girlfriends, you know, in the future when I'm lonely, I'm just going to call you. And is that okay? And they'll be like, of course, but can I also phone you when I'm lonely? And you're like, of course, like you set yourself up, you set up systems in advance to save yourself from your future self. And that's part of what the book is, right? Like, you know, it's not just about creating the now, it's also knowing your tendencies and setting up those systems. So if you know, you eat when you're lonely, have like a lonely buddy friend, or if you know that you eat when you're sad, maybe you, you have a journal or you have a gratitude journal or I know, for example, that I can't have fudge bars in the house because I absolutely love them and I will eat an entire box in a day. So, you know, I get my mom to buy a box and if I want one, I go over and we have a visit and we chat and I have one bar. You know, I, I really believe in in living with this idea of the love it rule, which is, you know, I'm allowed, I allow myself to have, you know, some, moderate portions of things that I love. I just try not to sort of overindulge in things that I don't love, like mindlessly grab things, you know? So, but that's a system that I've set up to save myself because I know me and I've taken the time to reflect and and to know what I do when I'm have crap in the house or when I'm sad or when I'm tired or, or, or that. And I, I've sort of taken enough reflection time to be like, okay, often I overeat when I'm just exhausted. So you know what, Kathleen, 
go to bed. Like bed sleep is so critical. So, you know, go to sleep, but it's all tied to this idea of having that growth mindset, the work of Carol Dweck, which I just love, which is just like experiences are data. Don't get mad at yourself about it. Um, that doesn't mean you sort of let yourself go willy nilly and do whatever and sort of say like, ah, Kathleen would be like, yeah, just do whatever you want. You know, it's not, about loving yourself is not about letting yourself do whatever you want. Like you, a parent loves their kid, but they still set boundaries. Like you can have self-compassion and you can help have positive self-talk, but you can still hold yourself to really high standards, but you hold yourself to high standards because you love yourself, not because you hate yourself. Right. And it's not through a shaming dialogue. It's through a growth dialogue. Uh, but I, I think that your point about having people in your life, I think that's so key. Like having a support network is amazing. And James is so great. He will often say to me, Kathleen, is this discipline just for discipline's sake? He's like, because if that's the case, then that's not worth it. He's like, is this discipline because it's going to make you a happier, healthier Kathleen? Then go for it. But if you're just doing this because you think you want, you should, quote unquote, be more disciplined, well, then, you know, let it go. Can you talk a bit about gut health? We love to talk about gut health, by the way, at Fit Bottom Girls. Can you talk a bit about that and glycemic glycemic index? Glycemic index. Glycemic, yeah. duh, duh. Excuse me. It's Monday when we're recording this. I need more coffee. Oh, totally. Uh, well, okay, well, that's a massively large topic. But I have to say that um, I was – it's funny. I was actually just talking about with this with James yesterday about um, – how so as i said earlier like i'm very open with sort of my struggle with depression and um you know the fact that i bias towards being what i would think of as a depressed personality hence why i have so many systems in place to uh, make me a happier person and part of you know I have this whole happiness recipe that i make sure i do every day which is like exercise and journaling and meditation and all these things to sort of to make me this ha happier, healthier Kathleen. And I was saying to him, you know, I might have to add to my recipe just really focusing on um, gut health because there's so much of your neurotransmitters, so much of your serotonin, all of your happy hormones are all, we think of it as something that's just created in the brain, but it's actually really key to, to gut health. That's one of the reasons why gut health is, is so important. Um, so it's not just, you know, your, your digestion and not feeling bloated and getting rid of toxins, for sure, all of that. But for me, with James, I was saying yesterday, you know, when I am doing all the things that are good for my gut, so fermented foods, probiotics, um, not having a huge amount of glycemic load. So glycemic is just like the, in the glycemic response in your body due to certain foods. So foods have a different um, glycemic response in your body. So things like sugar, pastas, that stuff has a much higher glycemic response um, in your body. So when I'm doing things where I'm having more moderate to low glycemic index foods, so high fiber foods, lower sugar, all of those things, but also doing fermented foods. And as I said, my probiotics, getting enough sleep, um, that I, my mood is so much better. And I was saying to him, it's so interesting. I wish I could parse out exactly what does it because I do so many things to make me feel better. Um, and, and, but I, I do think I was saying to him, I really do think that, um, I've decided that it, it does make a really big difference and I can notice the days when I'm sort of not doing sort of gut healthy things. Um, uh, but in general, the glycemic index is, index is a great, um, 
indexes keep in mind for everybody. And one of the things I talk about in the book, so I go through how to create your nutrition mix. So I go through like all of the different diets available and the pros and cons of each of them with the concept that there's no perfect diet out there for anybody, but it's about picking the pros of of the different diets that work for you and creating a nutrition mix that works for you. But I also sort of say in the book, there are sort of constants across all diets. Um, and those are the kind of constants that I try to live by, you know, awareness being one of them, right? Like you have to be aware of what you're putting in your body because with awareness brings, brings choice. You can't sort of make a better choice if you're not aware of what you're doing. So that's one sort of constant, uh, nutritionally dense food is another constant across all the diets, right? Just making sure that what you put into your body, um, is not fake food and has a lot of nutrients per calorie and is high fiber and, and good quality and real food, right? Like has, is not, um, packaged, um, and then sort of the third one across across all borders of, of all the, of the nutrition information is just sort of paying attention to sort of sugar and how the food is affecting um, your, your, your insulin and, and your hormonal response to that food. So, you know, every diet out there from keto to, to intermittent fasting to paleo to everything has has that I mean they might not call it the glycemic index but they do they are aware that certain foods like the higher the fiber um the different the, the glycemic load on your on your body so it's definitely something to be aware of if, if the people listening have never checked it out it's on um the internet everywhere you can just sort of check out the the um the listing and then in general you want to sort of pick moderate some moderate foods and more just low foods so you know even if you're looking at fruits you know fewer um, things like pineapple and mango because those are high and then more berries and or if you're going to have the higher glycemic index fruits mix them with have them with like a protein or a healthy fat so you bring down um, how it impacts your body because all the food that you're eating sort of combines together so the, the, the all overload um, will be different so you know it's one of the reasons why if you're having an apple I often suggest to people instead of just having a full apple you have half an apple and then like have some almond butter or some type of a healthy fat now apple has fiber in it and so it's a it's much it's a more of a moderate uh, glycemic index fruit versus like a pineapple or a mango but I would suggest to people like never just have a mango for example as just a snack just that because it's basically just putting you know it's sugar into your body now it's great antioxidants lots of healthy things to a mango so I'm not arguing that no one should eat fruit but just being aware of how all foods sort of combine together into your body so Kathleen often when we have people on to discuss um, books that they've written um, especially things that are bringing in so many different, you know, high level ideas and trying to make them, um, you know, bringing the science in and making sure that everybody understands what's behind them. A lot of times authors are like, you know, I was looking into this and then I had this big aha or I, I learned this amazing thing through the study that I didn't realize. So I'm curious, did you did you have any moments like that where you were like, oh, my gosh, I knew this was a thing, but I didn't know it was such a thing? Or were you kind of like, you knew it, you went in and, and just knocked it out. Well, I love that question. So I'm going to answer it with the two parts. So okay. I can never just give one answer. Has you can talk, <laughs> um, so the first thing is, I think the biggest aha moment was actually how the book was created, meaning um, the inspiration for the book. So I have a best friend, Emily. She's amazing. I've been best friends with her since like grade 10. And we were having a pedicure and she always sort of 
picks my brain when we have pedicures on, on different things. So she'll say like, oh, you know, I, I wanted to try Legree Pilates. What do you think of that? Or I wanted to, tr I'm thinking about trying some intermittent fasting. What do you think about this? And so we were sort of 45 minutes into the pedicure and I'd answered each one of her questions very similarly, which was, well, the pros of this are this and the negative, the cons of this are this, but for you, because of your knee injury, I would say, you know, you'd be more likely to get this pro and this would be more of a con for you. And, and then, so why don't you try the mix of a, this on one day? And then I don't think you should run two days in a row because of, as I said, she had this knee injury thing and they should be doing this and this. And she sort of looked at me and she's like, that's it. I was like, what's it? She's like, that's your next book. And I was like, I don't understand. She's like, she's like, your next book is that we all have to curate our own health, that it's about becoming an educated mix make maker, and that there is no perfect diet or workout or mindset mix for anybody. And that every diet um, or workout comes with pros and cons. You know, there's always going to be a flip side to every coin. And the key is not to think that one is good and one is bad, but to understand what like understand the pros and the cons of each of them so that you can pick the pros that work for you and create the mix that works for you. She's like, it's brilliant how you can look at my week and you can say, okay, well, the pros of running are this all over cardio intense um, feeling of, um, you know, amazing joy. But I also, but you can also say to me that, you know, I get injured when I run more than two, like one day, like I can't run two days in a row. She's like, you know that from my history. So you can say to me, I should only run two days a week on non-consecutive days and that I have this knee injury. So I have to strengthen my glutes so that the Legree Pilates is good for glutes and core. Like, she's like, you just created this like mix for me. She's like, that's what you have to do to all of your readers. Cause it's so confusing. Cause everybody thinks they just have to find the perfect workout or the perfect book and they're set for life. And she's like, that's, that doesn't work that way. So that was my biggest aha moment. And I really, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for her to every day because, um, I, I don't know if I, I would have come up with it in such a succinct way is that like she's in marketing and PR so she her brain thinks that way and and I don't necessarily think that way um and then the ahas through the actual book I would say that my ahas are more um article to article meaning so this is my second book and I'm constantly writing articles like you guys don't know the Globe and Mail because you're from the States, but the Globe and Mail's are like national newspaper. So I wrote for them for 10 years. I write for the Huffington Post. I'm always writing like different things and I'm doing different TV segments. Um, I'm on what we call our breakfast television here, um, sort of maybe akin to like a Regis and Kelly kind of thing. I don't know. Anyway, um, so I'm constantly coming up with new segment ideas and new article ideas. So I feel like I have aha moments almost every week or every day as I'm writing and as I'm researching. Um, and I do book reviews on my website. So I'm constantly reading books and reviewing the books. Um, so I get all these mini aha moments. And then when I go to compile the actual book, it's mostly stuff that I've researched before that I'm then taking and using in a slightly different way. So that's, I think one of the reasons why I find writing the book not as overwhelming as some authors, because it really is like work. I, I sort of, do two years of research and work in different ways. And then I take all the best of those two years and I find a way to kind of weave it together in a book. So it's all written in a new way, but it's all content that I've come into contact with before. So among us FBGs, we've been talking lately just amongst each other about the fitness industry and how it needs to change and how it can do better for the masses. And do you have any ideas about that? Any thoughts about that? 
oh my god you need like a five-hour podcast (laughs) (laughs) i get up on my like soapbox it makes me so frustrated um so we've already talked a little bit about shame and that's definitely a big one i feel like the fitness industry is way too much about teaching us to shame ourselves and it's about you know telling people to work out because they hate themselves and they'll be a better version of themselves if they work out and i'm like no you are not going to be a better version of yourself you're an awesome version of yourself you're just going to be you who's slightly fitter and slightly healthier and maybe slightly happier but you don't need to be a whole new you. You just need to be a version of you that lives a long and fulfilling life, right? So much about fitness and health is becoming the fit version of you that can be functional when you're older. So you can, you know, still be playing hockey with your kids when you're 70, that you can be getting down and off the ground, that you can be, you know, lifting boxes and moving. So I don't know. I I would really like to retrain that sort of shaming discourse. Um, I also really... I hate this idea of perfection and I really think that it drives um, so much of the fitness discourse. It's like a comparison thing. Um, And I think I'm going to credit Brené Brown for this one. It's a comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. Um, But really it's like we spend so much time being like, well, that person's better than me or that person's fitter and that person versus just being like, how do I become the best version of me that I can be? Um, And really perfection is the enemy of just getting shit done. Like we spend so much time looking for the perfect week and the perfect day to be fit. And, and, you know, the perfection is so unrealistic. Like it's, it's not possible. So you set yourself up for failure. If you want to be perfect, well, you might as well never start because you're never going to be perfect. So, you know, I say to everybody, like, you just have to do it and you have to do it now and you have to embrace that not every day is going to be, you know, what you intended it to be. But if you're working, you're winning. Um, and you just have to sort of keep going. And, and so much of that perfectionist dialogue, but that's just such a method of self-sabotage or what I call negative brain propaganda. It's like, Oh, well, you know, I'll never be, you know, plug in the name of your favorite celebrity. So why even try? And it's like, well, no, you know, being active has the opportunity to make you this more energized and and um, empowered version of you. So take that, but don't use it as a chance to sort of compare and contrast in this negative way. Um, I, Anne Lamont, I think, has this phrase where, you know, social media is you see other people's makeup and face and you only see your own warts. And I think that that's the thing. It's like if you get into this, well, the other everyone else is perfect. It's like, no, we all are just grappling with our own stuff. We all have a story. We're all fighting hard. Um, and, you know, we're all at a different place in our journey. Like, you know, some of us are at grade one in our health journey and some of us are grade five and some of us are grade 10. And that's OK. Um, you know, you can sort of be proud of who you are in this moment and still want to evolve because we're all in this constant state of becoming um i think that that would be another one of the things that i just get so frustrating with the health discourse it's like well you know do this one month thing and then you will be fit it's like no health is a lifelong process just like living is a lifelong process there's no end date or at least you don't want the end date because that means you're dead um and i think that people get into this idea of like either i'm happy with myself now Um, or I'm trying to get fitter. And it's like, well, no, 
you know, I go back to this sort of educational model of health. Like if you were in grade one and you aced grade one math, you'd be thrilled that you aced grade one math, but you'd still want to do grade two and grade three and finally, you know, graduate from high school. So you can be proud of the fact that you're in grade one and acing where you are and still want to evolve um, further and as the years go by. So I think, yeah, I, I would love people listening to just be able to embrace this idea of like, okay, where am I on the health continuum? Um, what grade am I at? Like, you know, you have to accept where you are now in order to be able to be to powerfully move forward. So figure out where you are now, figure out, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses, not in a shaming way, but in just like a realistic way. And then set realistic goals of what's real, you know, what you can do tomorrow and what you can do. What are your short term goals? What are your long term goals? Um, and make them realistic. Um, you know, I will never be Serena Williams. I will never be, um, you know, a sprinter in the Olympics, um, but I can improve my half marathon time, right? So I can have goals that are appropriate for me that make me feel like I'm striving without setting myself up for failure because I'm wanting to be somebody I'm not. So let's, let's talk about some of those goals because um, <laughs> let's pretend I'm asking this for a friend. Um, as we, as we, um, you know, hit new birthdays and, and move along in life, um, you know, sometimes in our minds and hearts, we assume that we can still do the same things, but as we discussed earlier, it's, it's wise to change your approach, um, based on where you are at that time. Um, and it can be really hard to find that balance. So this, um, friend tells me. Um, finding this balance between like accepting that, yeah, maybe, maybe you're not able to do what you did 15 years ago, but you can do other things and do them well. Um, because it can feel, it can feel a bit defeating, honestly, to, um, you know, to realize that you are continually falling short or continually falling injured doing things that used to come easily. Um, but you know, there is so much that we can still keep striving to do and there are new ways to do it. So that's a hell of a mouthful and not, I don't even think I got a question in there, you but I guess what, really I, what I would love to know is, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on how we can adjust our goals in a way that feels good in a way that is smart and takes into, you know, both takes into account, like what our physical limitations might be and also the fact that like we don't want to be limited physically. We want to keep on being yeah. more and more awesome. So I love the question and I'm going to answer it from a very personal place because as I said earlier, running is my bliss and I know that I'm not going to be able to run the way that I'm running for the rest of my life. So I have started to set up systems to save myself from that future self that's either injured or sad or demoralized or whatever. So I'd say there's a combination of a couple of things. One, as with most things in health, you have to reframe it. You have to flip it. This is not getting older is not this like negative thing because getting older means it's the privilege of being alive. Right. So the option is you die. So, you know, that's not good. Um, so it is a change. It's an evolution, but it's a, a positive evolution. And I like to um, make it feel more positive by doing 
fit ventures. So I actually have a couple of girlfriends and we try to do weekly uh, fit ventures where we try new things. So it might be a new Pilates class. It might be a new Aquafit class. It, like could be a new fitness class, a trampoline class, but it could also be a new walking route. It could be like anything that you want to do, a new stretching class, right? So part of becoming excited about a new phase of life is just trying new things that you've never done. You know, trying some of my older clients have been trying um, like different forms of dancing because that's great for their brain, but it's also social and it's also fun. Um, so that would be one thing I would say. It's just sort of reframe it as like, wow, I have this privilege of still being alive. How absolutely cool is that? Okay, so what can this privileged me do and how can I make it fun? Um, so much of exercise, as you know, I said this earlier, is that we get into this resentment mode of like, oh, I have to do this. I have to change what I'm doing. I have to, right? But as soon as you can flip it and it's not some external person telling you to do something, it's you saying like how awesome it is that I'm alive and I can still be active. And, you know, I don't have, you know, I have clients who have MS and I have, they have Parkinson's and they have really things. And they look at me just being able to walk or run and they're like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. So I try really hard whenever I, you know, go to do anything to just be like, feel the privilege of being able to do it. So that's one thing, reframing it, finding new ways to be fit, finding new adventures. Um, and then the second thing would also just be, um, appreciating the importance of both recovery and also training for your sport. So recovery is key. I look at me when I was in my twenties, I could run five days a week and you know, I'd never needed any recovery. I was never sore. Um, I'm now almost 36 and I can basically do the same runs that I could do in my twenties. In fact, I would also almost say for some distances, I'm actually faster, but what I can't do is more than three days of running in a row. In fact, that's even like, I like to do two days on one day off. So what's different for me is my recovery. And that's a really key thing is that the body needs, it needs sleep. It needs, um, adequate nutrition. It needs hydration and it needs, you know, soft tissue work. So with the the yoga tuna balls with the foam roller. So the older you get, the more you have to appreciate that the bouts of those higher intensity activities have to be balanced with bouts of recovery. And um, in your nutrition becomes more and more and more important and your sleep becomes critical because that's where your body and your brain recover, your hormones rebalance, all that. Um, and then the strength piece just becomes more and more important. Like, as I said earlier, I really believe, and I've written lots of articles on this, so people are interested, they can Google, um, the idea of that you don't use running to get in shape, you get in shape to run, but you don't have to think about running. Um, that could be anything like you don't use, um, biking to get in shape or you don't use ballet. You don't use, um, skiing, like whatever the sport is or whatever you really like to do. That's more of a cardio based activity. You then have to get in shape to do that. So that means again, part of your week, as opposed to me who used to run like five days in a row. Now I will run two days and then I might do a Pilates class and then I'll run two days and I'll do a strength class. And I really focus on all the weak links that I have. Like that's the other thing is, is as you get older, you just have to appreciate that, you know, you're going to have you, all of us have weak links, so you have to take the time to, to strengthen those. So for me, it's my knees sort of cave in slightly. It's very common for women. So I have to strengthen my glutes and my ankles to, to make that happen, that not happen. So, you know, weak links, recovery, training for whatever your bliss is becomes more and more important. You know, again, referencing my father earlier, like he still skates, but he does all the things that help him recover and help him get be strong and finding new fun ways 
to be active is, is really, really key. And, you know, get involved, like get a friend, you know, so then it might not be as much fun. Like it might be not the activity you want to do all the time. You know, maybe you have to, if you're a runner, like maybe you have to one day a week go and do some pool running, but get a couple girlfriends and go do that. So then it's not, the running itself is not as much fun, but the social activity is, is really fun. Like that's my fit ventures. I love it because I get to see my friends and then we go for coffee afterwards. And, and it's just like a kind of a joyful activity. Absolutely. And speaking of joyful activities, um, we love reading. So tell us where can um, where can our listeners find your book, and where can they find you on social media? Uh, so my website is kathleentrotter.com, and you can email me through my website. I love hearing from people. Uh, the website has all my like articles and links. It also has all my book reviews and I do this pocket of joy thing. So if you're having a bad day, you can go to the pocket of joy and it has like fun, different music and fun, different, you know, like my mushroom coffee and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'm Kathleen Trotter fitness on Instagram. I'm K Trotter fitness on Twitter, Kathleen Trotter on Facebook. And then as where you can get the book, you can get it on my website, but you can also just go to amazon.com if you're in the States or amazon.ca if you're in Canada, in Canada, you can do chapters indigo. Uh, so basically anywhere where books are, are sold or on my website and, but definitely reach out if you have any questions or comments. I, I really do love hearing from people and this is, it is really my passion. This changed my life. You know, it made me go from that unhealthy, unfit, unhappy, awkward kid to the person I am now. And um, anytime I can share some type of joy with somebody about their fitness journey, I love that. You know, somebody emails me and say, I couldn't run and now I can, or I couldn't walk. And now, you know, now I'm doing intervals. It's like, yes, I love it. A win. So we just have one more question for you. We ask this of everybody that appears on the show. What was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? So I actually thought about this because I, I've listened to a couple of your shows <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be asked this question. And I don't listen to a lot of music because I often listen to, mostly I'm listening to podcasts when I'm running or when I'm doing errands around the house or whatever. Uh, but my partner, James and I, so we've been together since high school. So like 20 years. And whenever we're in the car doing errands, we play what we call our song. And um, so that's the last song I listened to. And um, the Ed Sheeran song, Perfect. I don't know Aww. if you guys know. It's just because it's about this childhood couple. They met in high school or whatever as well. And it's just, I just, I love that song. And so we always start every car ride, especially if it's doing errands that are going to be kind of boring and we don't really want to be doing them. But I really believe in creating joy, you know, creating moments wherever you can that are happy. So we will put on that song and it sort of starts the car ride on a nice note. And then, you know, we go to the hardware store and we go to the grocery store and we do all that, you know, sort of must to adult stuff. But at least we've had this like, kind of loving moment so yeah so that's the last song we listened to yesterday on Sunday as we were doing errands and um yeah it's really it's really nice it's nice to have people in your life that that you connect with on that type of a level absolutely and that's the sweetest answer ever I think (laughs) that's really cute (laughs) thank you so much for being on our show today my pleasure anytime all right thanks Kathleen Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitboundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. 
And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.